Namaste, everybody. Uh, today, I have uh, the famous Dr. Vandana Shiva, a dear friend of mine. Uh, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. She has gone through my book. Uh, and this is a very unusual kind of uh, expert. You know, she's a physicist by training, as I am. And then she went into biology and life sciences. Uh, and I went into computer sciences. I always felt that there is a connection because I always felt that uh, uh, what we call life is a kind of uh, manifestation, a material manifestation of some kind of information structure. And that's also true in our tradition that the information gets in encoded uh, uh, as matter. Uh, uh, but now, you know, these things are coming together because this whole genome project, which is the massive, the biggest big data is right in our cells, genome. Uh, and the computer science has gone into AI uh, which is going around thirsty and hungry for big data. Uh, so now this big data and the genome have also uh, are being brought together uh, in AI. Uh, and, uh, and of course, this is uh, both a tremendous boon in terms of all kinds of great discoveries will happen and breakthroughs will happen and so on. But also as far as I'm concerned, and my book points out a source of exploitation, a source for, of new hierarchy, new haves and new have nots. And, uh, uh, in my opinion, a return to imperialism and colonialism. Uh, uh, we are headed in that direction, or at least we should be cognizant that there is that risk. Uh, and and uh, you know the, uh, what I call the return of the East India Company in my book is the is the Googles of the world uh, and the Chinese doing similar things, merging with uh, knowledge of all these genetic uh, modification type people and all that. So these two, the AI coming together with the uh, the life sciences. Uh, and all the all the gene uh, mischief uh, is is where we are headed. So, with that kind of a quick preamble, I want to turn over to Vandana. Please tell us. Start with your reflections, comments, criticisms, whatever you think of my book, and then that'll get the conversation started. Well, thank you first for writing this book, Rajiv. And I think it, it uh, you quote very uh, heavily. It builds on. Um, what uh, Susanna Zernoff has written in, uh, Zupov has written in a book, Surveillance Capitalism, but that is contextualized much more in the United States situation. What you have done is, uh, is rooted in India. And I think the, the, you know, I wrote a book recently called Oneness Versus the 1%. Oneness, of course, about the cosmology of interconnectedness, that we are not separate. Um, including the quantum interconnectedness. My PhD thesis was on non-separability and non-locality in quantum theory. But also the fact that the technology barons who through deregulation of the rules of WTO, of no system to regulate their money-making, their monopolies, their intellectual property, have turned out to be the richest in the world and during the lockdown where millions lost their livelihoods and lives, they've become even richer. Uh, my own work, I mean, I'm not, I didn't go into life sciences to study it. I went into agriculture to defend life in its integrity, including our, our amazing systems. You know, organic went from India to the world. And this new convergence, and as you called it, hungry, you know, this is the hungry digital dictatorship. You call it digital colonialism. I would call it digital imperialism because 
it is really doing exactly what colonialism did. Go to other people's lands, take over what belongs to others and make it your property. At that time they made land the, the, their property. Now they're making intellectual property out of everything. And what I've done over the last 35 years is really uh, defend our agriculture from uh, imperialism and prevent biopiracy. But what you've written about in your book is taking that biopiracy deeper. You know, I had to fight the case of the neem patenting, the basmati patenting, the wheat patenting, and monitor the climate resilience patenting, the, the theft of thousands of our medicinal plants through patenting. That biopiracy of other species and our knowledge is in fact going deeper, as you pointed out, through artificial intelligence. Now the biopiracy is us. We are being pirated. And you've talked about this piracy in multiple levels. You've talked about this piracy both in the fact that, you know, we are being dumbed down in the ordinary use of, you know, the digital equipment. You've written here on page 161, people's memories are atrophying because they constantly depend on online searches and intelligent devices for information. I remember old people, you know, old, old elder people in family or even farmers, they will run off five centuries of history of their village. You know, catch that anywhere now with Google. And as memory atrophies, attention spans shorten, leading to a decline in study habits. At the same time, digital users artificially inflate their egos through social media platforms. And then these platforms are not just dumbing you down, they're stealing your data without your permission. We are the new raw material, we are the new mind, and then manipulating us. And if there's one thing our civilization has given us is to live free of manipulation, to live free of external control. And that's why the definition of self, I, I loved your chapter on the battle for the self and the battle for agency. Um, we are really being reduced to appendages, you know, inert appendages of machines. And if you look at the recent patents, I've read through the patent, Microsoft application WO060606. We are users. We are appendages. We are not beings. You have a lovely section on the algorithm versus being. You talk about this as the clash of civilization. And because India civilization and the Vedantic philosophy have given us this absolute beautiful oneness and non-dualism to fracture it in this mechanistic reductionist mode, now going all the way to the digital level and connected, as you mentioned, to the way life is organized. You know, there's a deep merger between the digital world and the, you know, I started dealing with genetic engineering and patents online because of Monsanto's and others wanting to patent seeds through genetic engineering. But now it's the Bill Gates who are doing digital genomic mapping and undercutting every international law we put in place over the last 30 years. The Convention on Biological Diversity, the Kyoto Protocol, the Nagoya Protocol, they're just cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down. And all they do is map without knowing what they are mapping, but the data 
in the gene banks tells you there's a drought-resistant variety. This, it, the gene bank data tells you this is a flood-tolerant variety. So they just do. You know, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of collections of seed, and, and Gates now controls all the world's seed. They do these digital maps and do guesswork through algorithms about which part of the genome could be giving rise to part of the trait, and they do guesswork and take battles. So it is a battle for ownership. Now no more land, but life, including our life, our minds. So you've talked about the two manipulations. One is to push us first faster down the line of empty consumerism, including consumption of fake news, consumption of fake ideas. This technology lends itself to fakeness and amplification of fakeness and untruth. And Truth for us is the very basis of being. But the second manipulation is the manipulation of our senses. You know, if you look at the examples, and you've cited so many in your book, augmented reality, you know, you're a street dweller, but you're given a smartphone with a, the, that minimum support you're getting. And, uh, and an augmented reality is making you believe you're skiing in the apps or you're swimming in the Mediterranean. Now, I believe that the heart of your book is the clash of civilizations of algorithms versus being and showing and warning India, particularly the world at large, that this clash of civilizations of being versus being controlled <laughs> is really, as you mentioned, a crash of civilization. And yes. that's why your book is so important, Rajiv, yes. You know, this is brilliant. I tell you, a lot of people have summarized, a lot of people have pulled out different things, but this is, to me, you've captured what is the heart of my cause. A uh, lot of other things I've talked about, which are, are so important also, you know, the geopolitics of China making weapons and the jobs losses, which is so critical and so important, all of that. But you've gone deeper and deeper. You've peeled the layers and gone deeper to the depth. Actually, one of the working, I had many working capitals, um, working titles for this book. One of them was Algorithm and Being, Algorithm versus Being. And, and you know, I wish I'd stuck with it. Maybe I'm writing another book where I'm going deeper into that. Another title I had was The Crash of Civilizations, uh, where those are the things, the, the battle for agency was another title. Uh, so uh, the battle for self was another title. Now, all of these became chapters in the book because there's so many, so many possible ways of uh, positioning it. But you've captured it all. Uh, the heart of this book is uh, chapters four and five, uh, the battle for agency and then the battle for self, uh, where all these things are there. Uh, because, you know, in a nutshell, what's happening is the computer science has turned everything into a digital map of something or other, including the genome is a digital entity. It's just data. It's just digital entity. The physicality of the genome, you can recreate if you have the, uh, if you have the entire code as, as information, then you can, the laboratory allows you to turn back, turn, convert it back into molecules. So the, the going from digital to molecules, having been perfected and going, taking the molecules and turning it into digital, having been perfected, you know, the gene sequencing uh, means that the war, uh, instead of physically going and clipping things and all that, the war has shifted also into the digital realm where the Bill Gates and all these Googles of the world are so powerful. So they are going around taking all the physical material, everything physical in the world, whether it's Google Maps looking at from the satellite 
all the maps of the world and the rivers and mountains and roads and whatever, whether it is looking at every human being and collecting the DNA, China is doing that, collecting the DNA of every human being they want to do, and they go and offer free gene sequencing. Uh, they have a company that's headquartered that's got branches all over the world, and they go around offering free services in order to get genetic data of people. And whether it is uh, the Harvards of the world who went to, who are still going to Kumbh Mela and collecting all kind of data about human beings, or whether it's the plant kingdom and animal kingdom, where where the genetic information is being being brought together, the computing power exists to have trillions of creatures, trillions of beings, not just eight billion humans, but trillions of different kinds of creatures and beings, and get the detail, the most detailed available map of every one of them individually. This is immensely powerful, and so uh, I agree with you. This is a new kind of imperialism. Owning this gives them control over this. And then, then going even deeper than the physicality, going into the mental, psychological mapping. Uh, you know, if it's very interesting, a famous, uh, a famous book uh, in which he talks about map making as a colonial enterprise. Colonialists were obsessed with making maps of the colonies because the, the way to control intellectually and then control physically was to know the map of what is where, uh, who lives where, how many people, of what kind, what caste, how, what is the uh, social issues, who hates whom, who are, who's at war with whom. Anthropologists doing all that social kind of map making and then physical map makers, they, invent, they invented this map making and sent people to go and cartography the cartography of physical map making. And we thought they're doing us a favor. They're building a map of India. <laughs> you know, we thought that they're really helping us because they're doing a survey of all the jatis and castes and so on. But they're making a map of us for the purpose of control. So then the missionaries got into this map making. They had this Joshua project, which has now gone digital and gone into AI. You know, the sad thing is the lack of awareness on the part of our leaders. So now, now that you and I are on the same page on the nature of the problem, I want to I want to go deeper and say, what does it tell us about our leadership? And I don't want to be partisan. I think none of our leaders, none of our political parties, old government, new government, whether it is spiritual gurus, whether it is the media people, whether it's the academic scholars, whoever you look at, I found when this book came out, I found the reception. The reception tells me there's very few people who are like you, who understand, who get it. Most people who are in important positions, economists don't get it. I have yet to come across an economist who truly understands the impact of AI on their field. I have yet to come across a, another person in the life sciences who understands all this. They, they think that this is a boon because it'll help them make more money or something. They're looking at the narrow context of how it will improve the productivity of some factory somewhere. And I've yet to come across a political leader or, or a, a leader in the, in the, in the, uh, who, who feels that they are the keeper of our civilization. I don't think our, our thought leaders really understand the magnitude of what we are facing. So what do you think of this issue about leadership? Well, you know, the leaders and leaders, Rajiv, you know, I have worked now 50 years, nearly five decades with communities, beginning with Chipko, and the tragedy is the village uh, where the disaster, recent Uttarakhand disaster happened on the 7th of February, 2021, is the village Rini on the Rishi Ganga. Yeah? And the Ganga Himalaya 
are our sacred areas where our learned people went and wrote the Vedas because that's where you have the most intimate connection with the universe. And there's been research done how the ionization allows concentration and meditation at a very high level. I have personally met and been, you know, that we met masters who have gone up five years, six years, 10 years, 20 years into the mountains. And today to see the mountains crumbling down. I think what has happened is the three decades of globalization, you know, first the World Bank, structural adjustment, World Bank and IMF were created when they could see, oh my God, they're becoming independent. So 1944, the money men of the world is what it was called the meeting, money men of the world meeting in Bretton Woods, created the World Bank, the IMF and the GATT to continue to rule the world and keep extracting money now in the name of development. It's all there in the records. We have a book called Development Dictionary. But 95, the World Trade Organization came into being where the whole issue of deregulation was institutionalized. And you know, the first ministerial, Rajiv, of the WTO was in Singapore, where the first thing they did was all of these IT giants were allowed to get away without paying taxes and border tariffs. That's how they became so, so rich. The combination of intellectual property and paying no taxes and having a duty-free movement of data while they employed Indians at a fraction of the rate, saving 40 billion annually, just in salaries. Uh, and you use the word cyber coolies in this. Uh, I think this 30 years has distorted our own relationship to sovereignty. Mm, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, we, we fought against the British colonialism through Swaraj and Swadeshi and Satyagraha. Swaraj means you should govern yourself and therefore the self in the concept of the large self as integrated with the universe is central to deep freedom. Swadeshi making yourself, we were slaves for the British cotton empire. Today, replace cotton with GMO seeds, replace cotton empire with digital chains, and you've got exactly the same. So will we be cyber coolies or will we be conscious being? Um, I, you've quoted, you, you've quoted Noel Harayo, who has a very, very Western approach to these and a kind of inevitability to, uh, to the where these technologies will go. But you've also referred to, uh, you know, the power that's been created around these digital barons, and I just call them the, the, the barons and the uh, pirates of our time. You know, you call them the Google data and the Microsoft data and the Facebook data. <laughs> uh, and they created this language of internet of things when we as a civilization talk of the interconnectedness of beings, very different. Interconnectedness of beings is about consciousness connecting us. It's about life in all its, you know, subtle and gross levels connecting us. And the internet of things is us being divided and being separated. And I can't believe this language. Humans are merely tools. No, technologies are tools. And we should be making conscious decisions how to regulate them, what is useful, what is not, how should it be developed, what should not be allowed to develop. And he goes to say, you've quoted him, Humans are merely tools for creating internet of, that's all we are, our object of life, yeah? It, 
internet of things rather than the internet of being uh, the, the interconsciousness of beings so so uh, vandana it's even getting worse see uh, internet of things is yes the the digital economy with the ai power connecting all the things everything from the appliances in the house to every light bulb and all the gadgets everything connected with trillions of them interconnected the internet of things so naturally keeping track of everything managing everything uh, you know uh, give, giving you a plan monthly plan so we'll keep keep track of all your devices and keep them running these things are coming so there'll be a like a netflix service uh, or amazon service there'll be some premium service where all your appliances all the gadgets all the little things sensors this and that will be connected by some service company maybe a microsoft of the future or an apple or whoever or a google and then they'll they'll even send somebody when the light bulb has to be replaced or something has to be repaired so it'll be like you live your life you don't have to worry about things you don't worry about the things in your life they worry about the things but then by worrying about the things it means they also control those things now it's getting even worse than that because with implants it's also internet of humans internet of creatures so now you become a thing so you become a part of the internet of things because in your brain is is an implant and elon musk is working on it chinese are working on it and the pentagon are working on it now the first application is always very nice first application will be that we can solve some mental disorders bipolar disorders a person who's suicidal or or implant can catch catch that pattern and interfere and stop it and call some hospital so it'll be humanitarian and there'll be a lot of conferences on ai implants and there'll be very nice term like like the term development was a very nice term uh, you know so this kind of a term uh, to uh, show that this this use of ai in intervening in your brain is actually good for you and then there'll be uh, somebody with bipolar will get cured somebody with ptsd from the military will get cured or not cured but they'll be managed they will be able to live a, a what seems like a better life and then they can they could go and say things like okay instead of a prisoner going to jail why don't we monitor his brain and make him okay he won't be violent anymore and when he gets bad thoughts we will the machine will intervene and give him good thoughts and you know so it look like all this intervention through the brain is for good purposes but once it's in the brain once these things are installed then it can also there'll be apps downloaded to give entertainment now people's fantasy they can have uh, they can have sex they can have tourism they can be feeling like they are very great so now the huge entertainment industry will get into this act so now with uh, be, being able to control a court being able to issue an order saying okay now this guy instead of uh, being thrown in jail he can get home arrest or whatever and now with this implant he'll be given the option that he gets this implant so we monitor him or somebody who's a rapist well this may be another way to treat them besides that it'll be also entertainment and then and then once it's in entertainment is part of the lifestyle it'll be cool and then it'll be everybody wanted it's not something that you know everybody will it'll be a question of well hey you know i got this implant which one do you have like people think a certain kind of phone is an is a status symbol so i see this happening and i see that humans turn into kind of bionic bionic me uh, beings where the beingness and the algorithm are kind of fused and this is a now part of this internet and this internet is controlled and you know this is it's bad enough that that uh, companies control this private companies control this all the governments would also be bad but it's even worse if these are foreign so india has the india has the additional problem us has the problem that 
uh, that uh, these companies are not part of the government, therefore they're not accountable to the citizens, therefore you don't vote them in and out of office. Uh, the democracy doesn't have uh, anything to do with the, you know, the behavior of these companies uh, because they are all international companies, you cannot figure out where they live. And so the US has that problem. Uh, but at least these are domestic. So at the end of the day, somebody could, the, there are congressional hearings, there are Senate hearings, people are beginning to get suspicious and, and I'm part of that. I'm, I'm raising my voice too. But in India, in India, it's even worse because firstly, the leadership is uneducated about all this. And they consider me as a, a sensational guy making a conspiracy theory and giving us bad news and uh, you know creating too many problems. The people in India don't want to hear all this when I talk, many of them. And then the other problem is that these com companies that are doing it are foreign. It's not even a government to government issue. It's not the, a question of Ministry of External Affairs raising this issue with the US State Department because Google's an independent company like East India Company was an independent company. So, so what, what do you think of this multi-dimensional problem, multi-layered problem? One is leaders don't know this problem. So who's going to talk on behalf of the public? Second is these are foreign uh, based entities doing all this and we are in love with it you know uh, in india and third is that even foreign based they are private companies so how do we grow through all of these layers well i think the first is we have to look at the best practice um, on this and i think europe has done better on at least data protection right. privacy data protection and we need to definitely improve our data protection not just just like you know, the word biopiracy didn't exist in the trade lexicon, intellectual property on in living systems existed. But till we started to fight the legal cases, and I wrote a book called Biopiracy, it started to become clear what was going on. So we need to become much clearer that the new slavery is a digital slavery. Yes. The chains are not the iron chains through which people were forced to work on tea and coffee plantations um, or the slaves were taken on the ships from Africa to the United States. These digital chains are invisible, but they're chains nevertheless. And I think the two things for me that's very, very significant is we have to A, learn from all our experiences of similar myths that were pushed. So this is for the betterment of humanity. Right. You know, all of that green revolution was for feeding India and feeding the world. Look at the ruins it has left. Look at the way it has destroyed our soils and our water and our farmers. Why are Indian farmers protesting? Because that model of agriculture and that model of free trade has devastated agriculture. The second is, so, you know, I think that's where our civilization roots have to become alive. We never treated technologies as gods. We never treated those who make tools of slavery as the Google devtas and the Facebook devtas and the Microsoft devtas. We recognize their tools. They need to be governed. They need to be assessed. And they need to be taken, held responsible for the impacts. You know, every environmental law is about impact on nature. Every human rights law is about impact on on society, uh, we need to ensure that all the laws that are there in place start to get extended to cover these new tools and these new technologies. The second is the you know the power of colonialism and, and, and imperialism has always been a superiority, the myth of superiority, and b the spin 
of inevitability. Yeah? Now, your background in quantum theory, my background in quantum theory tells us there's uncertainty. So while the, the myth of using digital tools for manipulating genes and using gen, um, um, you know, you're basically doing gene editing as if life in its complexity and self-organization was merely a word program to cut and paste. Well, we know now that one cut leads to 1,500 unpredictable effects. So this, this illusion of mastery and this illusion of certainty is what the whole Cartesian mechanistic reduction of paradigm which you which is at the base of this and I just want to remind those who are listening that for Bacon science and technology was to serve as instruments of domination science should as it were torture nature's secrets out of her and Descartes talked about people not thinking about the deer as a deer and not thinking about the owl as an owl but thinking of them as machines as mechanical setups that need to be disassembled. And you have said so clearly that this, these unregulated, uncontrolled technologies and the technology makers and the technology pushers are really working on the Baconian myth of superheroes and supermen. You know, his new Atlantis talked about this. And you've written in your book that incorporate, you know, all of these things will then uh, create the assumption that some people, those who have access to these technologies, some those who are deploying them, they'll think of themselves to be superior to ordinary humans in the same way as humans today compare themselves to animals. Now, this is anthropocentrism. And look at the world of animal rights activists. If they are concerned, they should be looking at this. Right. Human rights people should be looking at this, and we as a civilization should be reinvigorating our concept of Vasudeva Kutumka, the earth as one family. If they're two yardsticks we have received civilizationally to evaluate these technologies and make decisions about them, particularly in the context of agency and freedom and the context of self and being, is A, Vasudeva Kutumka, we are one. Earth family, and second, we are autonomous selves. Not the machine is not autonomous. We are autonomous. We are not users of autonomous machines. Autonomy, autonomy is being relocated from autonomous humans and conscious human beings to the machines. And in a similar way, the you know who is using whom. You know we use tools. We, the tools are what is used. Now we are being reduced to being users. Again, and this, you know, you, you know this better than me. I mean, this, the Silicon Valley mythology of transhumanism. Right. We have had transcendentalism that we are part of a larger universe interconnected through consciousness. And here are these pathetic creatures who have been steeped in mechanistic materialism and now they think they you can't have a self without merging into your machine and the machine becoming you, making you an appendage. This is the worst of colonizing civilization. You know, so you are bringing, uh, a, you, you, this is a wake up call, but it can only be addressed through a civilizational lens. It cannot be addressed in terms of, oh my gosh, you know, 
what was the Macaulay principle? Macaulay was make them feel inferior about what they are, yeah? And then conquer them. Well, make them feel inferior about their spirituality, make them feel inferior about the fact they have the technologies that we have. They pirated the variola smallpox, steel making, all of the medicinal plants. I mean, show me what came from the West without piracy. Yeah? We need, we need to realize that we have minds and we can make decisions about how our minds will be used much more for enhancement of the larger good and human well-being than for five robber barons, the new devtas, as you call them. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, with your, with your uh, knowledge of uh, biology, uh, you know, you can appreciate the view I'm taking that uh, the, the thinking behind all this AI is that every biological system should be reduced to an algorithm. So, so it is uh, the liver is a liver algorithm. Then you keep doing research on brain, this neuron, that neuron, and so uh, you know basically, if everything, all of the, all of life is just algorithms, uh, and then then the question is, once you reduce them to algorithms, then you can intervene. Uh, you can make silicon algorithms that interact with these uh, organic algorithms, and and that is what the implants do. So at every level of life. Uh, whether it's plants, animals, humans, brain, organs, whatever, uh, you can do miraculous things in terms of repairing and uh, changing the behavior and saying, okay, I'm curing diseases, that'll be great. But you can also do mischief uh, and you can also come up with hybrids where it's partly uh, just like uh, just like genetic uh, hybrids. Now you can have, uh, you know, semiconductor and organic hybrids. So, and then eventually you can reprogram the, the DNA itself as an as a organic computer. So, you know, we are headed towards uh, reducing the cosmos to algorithms. And these algorithms belong to somebody, <laughs> you know, there's a hierarchy of ownership. And uh, the common person is just sort of being, uh, being managed by all these algorithms. Uh, the way we managing, you know, the factory plants, factory animals, and managing animals. So now, now human beings are going to be managed like this. And you know, people think when I tell them this, that they think it's science fiction and it's hundreds of years away. It is not. Much of this is happening in this decade. Things are moving so fast. Much of this is happening in this decade. You know, this morning, one of the guys who's uh, uh, who's uh, 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 doing some AI research for me brought in. A, a, a sample of what AI can do, uh, what, uh, and what he did is, uh, what, what this machine learning thing can do, there's a tool called GPT-3, which, uh, which uh, learns how uh, Vandana Shiva thinks by reading all your books, and, and, to, and it, it, it understands the syntax, semantics, meanings, what is your mood, what is your sentiment towards various things, all your lectures, by looking at that as big data, it understands you. And then it can it can replicate you. It can produce answers like you would answer. So uh, what has what has happened is this guy used GPT three, uh, taught it my views on AI by feeding in my book, and my views on Vedas and various issues and all that. And now he's had a he's he just sent me this morning a a, a, a kind of made-up dialogue between uh, somebody interviewing me and what I would answer, and he's asking me, "Is this true? Are these your? Would these be your real answers? I mean, how well how well has the AI replicated your thoughts?" 
it's quite eerie. It's quite eerie that now, uh, you know, these machine learning, these uh, GPT type systems are becoming smarter and smarter in, fig in figuring you out. And for the benefit of third parties, being able to mimic you, step in your shoes, almost like identity theft taken to another level. So there'll be, there'll be a time when there'll be a deep fake, which looks like you, speaks like you, thinks like you, has the same positions on various issues. And imagine what that leads to. So, you know, if all this is happening, what can we do about it? I mean, you know, we can complain, but this is going to happen anyway because it's out of the bag. This is the genies out of the bottle. People are making money. They're making so much money. This is the future of uh, making money. Everybody's in this rat race. So, I mean, I've presented a scenario that if things don't change, if new policies aren't there, if leaders don't wake up, then here is a pretty bad scenario, particularly bad for India uh, because of our situation, many, many problems we have. Uh, but bad for humanity in many ways. What can we do about it? Well, I think the first is to understand the phenomena. Yes. Because if you are in the dark about it, it's going to take over. Yes. So to be conscious that it's happening and to be conscious of the interests. And for me, decolonization, as well as dharma, is yes. about ensuring your freedom is not taken away yeah? at every level, at the personal level, at the level of working, waking governments up to say you need policies. You know, you know when, when, when there's a bad Twitter, the system becomes very active to regulate. But when there's data theft from millions of Indians, millions of farmers, their data is being mined, our seeds are being stolen, and we are being fed back algorithms and a whole system has been created to make people dependent not just on doing your daily work as if Indian farmers don't know how to farm they have to wait for a Microsoft to tell them oh now your plant needs water no the plant farmers know it you know and it's it is you have a very nice section on the dumbing down and these algorithms will only take over if we allow our dumbing down and and if we realize that it's not the narrative, after all, the Green Revolution and the chemicals were supposed to create miracles. And why would Indian farmers be protesting if there was a miracle? Yeah, They don't want that path. But why would around the world people be calling for an ecological alternative to industrial agriculture? We have to extrapolate from those bad experiences because every time they sell perfection behind it, are side effects. So even these miracle technologies and medicine in the past, most of the diseases of the West are iatrogenic diseases created by the medical system itself. Now, you know, Google has created recently a life sciences division. And the objective is to defeat mother nature at a time where the world is waking up to learning from mother nature and learning from the laws of the earth. The whole world is rising that the war against the earth has brought us to the predicament of species extinction, climate change, desertification, the refugee, all of these issues. And they want to still defeat mother nature. So because India has a very big problem of anemia, but because of bad agriculture where we destroyed our sources of iron rich food, colonization of our food system, where for 30 years, 
India has been colonized to eat junk food and Pepsi chips and drink Coke and Pepsi. And we had all the richness of biodiversity. So we're bringing out, so, you know, the point is they want to put nanoparticles in our blood, but there is no technology assessment on tech nanoparticles, 10 to the power minus nine. So they're, they're playing, telling yet more colonial myths about right. superiority, perfection, certainty, precision, when right. all they're doing is experimenting with life and right. experimenting with the very fabric of life. And that is where everything we know, whether it's about living systems or it's about consciousness, needs to be brought to this debate. Artificial intelligence cannot be left to be the dr in the driver's seat. There are higher values and higher consciousness that needs to be in the driver's seat, which also means those who have made themselves gods have to be made accountable, responsible citizens, accountable to their national democracies, but accountable in the world system, where yes. if we could make biodiversity laws, if we could make laws of the oceans, we could make laws. We will have to get that, that power together, knowing what's at stake. You talked about the job issue. It's deeper than just jobs. It's about work. You know, in India, half of India doesn't have a job, but they have livelihoods in farming. Craftspeople don't have jobs, but they have a living. Now, all of this is meant to totally destroy life and livelihoods. Add that to the colonization of the mind and the manipulation of the mind. Add that to the erosion of democracy but with these machines of fake news and fake personalities. You can manufacture anything out of anything. Where is freedom then? So I think the deep conversations about work, freedom, livelihood, self need to be brought back to the fore and need to be the light that is shed on this. And we have to take the power of inevitability away. Certainty, inevitability. You know, anything that human beings make and anything powerful human beings make have nothing inevitable about it. Yeah? There are other parts and other ways to do it. And definitely accountability and regulation is the way to govern power that's out of control. So the, 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 uh, the, the, this, is a, this is very good. This is excellent. Uh, you know, just to let you know, when I started this book project five years ago, uh, I uh, uh, was going around Delhi talking to officials and trying to get people interested because I'm finding all these things. And uh, it troubled me that India is in, is, is in danger. But nobody was interested. Nobody was interested. People wouldn't would look after me. Talk to you and send you off. <laughs> and that's not what I wanted. So I couldn't find thoughtful people. And, and the ones who knew something about what I'm saying were either sold out so I, I have a problem now that a lot of industrialists are sold out because they're part of this ecosystem to make money. The West has is at the top and then or China and then of course China we've removed, but the West is at the top. And so a lot of Indian in big business industry, they're, they're in the positions, part of this ecosystem. Uh, they don't want to, I've had in discussions with uh, some Indian industry groups in tech industry groups in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. And one of the ground rules was we're not going to raise these issues. They don't want this. And, and, and uh, then in India also, I've had two kinds. One is the very courageous people who want to speak out, but they'll say, don't mention my company. I'm talking in my personal capacity. And the other one doesn't want anything to do with it. 
but then the government you would think that niti ayog would want to take this seriously niti ayog uh, the chairman didn't even want to launch this book or have any of his people launch the book or be associated and this is ai and which is supposedly their their flagship they keep saying we want to champion ai but i'm raising issues they don't want anything to do with these issues nobody in the pmo's office shown interest nobody in home ministry ministry of technology ministry of culture education ministry nobody i've said this book has been sent to everybody uh, nobody in rss i've said the book has gone to all these places nobody in the guru organizations nobody in the hindu the New, uh, times of india the republic tv and all these guys you know because they are either dumb and don't want to show that they are dumb or they are sold out and to, as part of the system or they just don't want to deal with something messy they don't quite get it and they don't want they just want to talk about nach gana cricket match ho raha uh, and uh, and blame it on pre, uh, some government somewhere some other country china ki galti hai macaulay and all that uh, but you know taking responsibility that we here today now as the ruling elite in this society have given have not been alert to this problem we've let it go this far now we got to do something they're not willing to take that role so it's to me it's going to get even worse because of the because it's it's becoming it's very difficult to wake up our people so it's going to get worse so i put this book out i wanted it to be out even earlier but because of covid publishing was not uh, industry was not working so this is when i when i brought it out i think that i need your help i'll be in india for 6 weeks we need to raise this issue create some panels create some uh, find some like minded people who want to at least talk about it spread awareness about it so i would look forward to any uh, ideas you have on how to take the issues forward sure uh, you know i i think one of the ways to take it forward is my own background is as a scientist uh, i i understood colonialism through the mythology that that was spun around science colonizing science and technology systems yeah and uh, whether it was in agriculture it was in forestry um, so i really feel it's very very important to uh, maybe a dialogue on on what would be the spinning wheel response you know gandhi responded to the cotton empire i think you want to rule us you take our cotton you take our indigo you force you and dump your bad clothing on us and he pulled out the spinning wheel and started to make khadi so when i started navdanya i said my gosh look at these guys wanting to own the seed i said we'll make the seed and the seed is the spinning wheel of today i think we need a dialogue on what would be the spinning wheel in the context of these new technologies but definitely one thing that i don't think any government can sleep through anymore is that the polarization that this is creating economically in terms of the big economic divide it is absolutely volcanic no society can manage it and no matter how much they are imagining they'll give everyone smartphones to be distracted with games it will not happen fast enough while you're throwing more and more people out the second is the manufacture of hate and polarization yes. that these technologies are doing yes you've you've cited the case i've read about it how facebook sold data to 
Cambridge Analytica, and an entire election was manipulated. But where then is society? Where then is democracy? The rupture is too deep for any society that wants a livable society and a future promise yeah. to be able to, to do this blindly. The costs are too high and they're not one dimensional costs. Your many chapters show that it's about the economy, it's about democracy, it's about the self, it's about civilization. And that issue of this, this is the clash of civilization. This is the dialogue we should be having to avert the crash of our civilization, which Wonderful. would be the first time this amazing civilization would be pushed to collapse by these rogues. I call them rogues. So what I will do is uh, I'll contact you in Delhi when I'm in Delhi. Uh, maybe the next step is if you were to find a small number of people that uh, are interested in the conversation, they can take any side. It doesn't matter. Uh, we will send them a copy of the book. Uh, we will convene either physically or digitally. And uh, then, then it's, uh, from a two-person conversation, it can span into a more of a panel discussion. Uh, then out of that will emerge the next level of what do we do? Uh, can we have a can we have a series of conferences or seminars? Can we bring in other thought leaders, stakeholders? So I'm there for six weeks. I would love to take advantage of that. And uh, so I'll be contacting you because I think you are the right person. Thank you.